Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, April 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There have been more than 12,000 deaths in the U.S. due to the coronavirus, with the toll topping 4,000 in New York City alone. Meanwhile, Americans are feeling the economic effects of the outbreak, too. An FT and PG Peterson Foundation poll found that nearly three-quarters of those surveyed say their income has taken a hit due to the coronavirus pandemic. And the U.S. has been struggling to keep up with the demand for the small business loans that are part of a $2 trillion stimulus package. But more funding might be on the way. Plus, WeWork is suing SoftBank for backing out of a $3 billion share buyout deal, and the FT's Rob Smith explains why bond investors were so interested in the cruise company Carnival. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, a group of senior U.S. bank executives, President Donald Trump, and U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin held a video conference. They discussed the pace of loan applications to help out small businesses. Mr. Trump says the Small Business Administration has processed $70 billion worth of loans. This is less than a week into the implementation of an agreed $350 billion loan program. But given that small businesses are under severe strain due to the economic knock-on effects of the coronavirus outbreak and are trying to secure these loans at a rapid rate, there's now the possibility of additional funding for this loan program. The FT's Washington correspondent, Lauren Fedor, has more on the conversations between the White House, Congress, and banks. It's certainly been a bumpy ride, and it's something that my colleagues and I have written about in terms of hiccups on the lender side, on the side of businesses looking to apply for these loans. And the meeting on Tuesday was was really focused on this scheme and, and getting it up and running and, and ironing out some of these kinks. You know, it's been a big point of discussion for the banks, as well as on Capitol Hill, with a, a lot of lawmakers having concerns raised and complaints from their constituents. So So they're trying to iron that out while continuing to process these loan applications. And then on top of that, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, came out on Tuesday and said that he's going to be asking Congress for an additional $250 billion. So that that would make this scheme a massive $600 billion scheme. And Lauren, banks are responsible for distributing these loans. and They're also facing some backlash for prioritizing existing small business customers instead of welcoming applications more broadly. Which brings us to the Democrats and the funding that's being discussed right now. What are they pushing for? Sure. So, I mean, we're expecting this to move pretty quickly. Mnuchin laid out his requests on Tuesday. We're expecting by the end of the working week that this will be approved by the House, which is controlled by the Democrats and the Republican-controlled Senate. You know, that said, the Democrats have said that they want to look back at the scheme and make sure that there were extra guarantees, particularly from the banks, in terms of how the loans are being um, administered uh, before they sign off to the, the additional money. Yesterday, the FT reported that thousands of WeWork tenants have refused to pay rent or look to end their leases in the past month. This is putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the loss-making property group as its occupancy levels dwindle and cash pile dries up. WeWork burned through $1.4 billion in the last quarter of 2019, and more recently, SoftBank backed out of an already agreed-upon $3 billion share buyout deal. But now WeWork is taking legal action. The FT's Eric Platt explains. SoftBank is saying that there were a number of conditions 
for the tender to go through, right? They needed to have full antitrust approval for the share purchase. And so far, while they've received approvals from almost all jurisdictions, they're still waiting on antitrust sign-off in Mexico. They also argued that, you know, there are these smattering of lawsuits against the company and its co-founder, Adam Newman, just over their financials and how they presented them to shareholders. And that this could present a material liability for the company. And that is one of the conditions that gave them an out. Now, the WeWork Special Committee is saying, no, 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 hey, now, actually saying that this is a material liability is a test that you can't claim right now and you don't have enough evidence to support. And that is why they're going to a judge who they're hoping will agree with them and force SoftBank to either go ahead with the tender or to provide damages to minority stockholders. So, Eric, what does this mean for the relationship that it still exists between WeWork and SoftBank? Yeah, I mean, it just underscores the difficulty SoftBank has had with this investment where it's pumped more than $10 billion over the past several years into. And while WeWork itself has, you know, it's majority owned by SoftBank, WeWork's management team has been trying to keep their head out of this. It's underscoring the division between SoftBank and one of the other early backers of WeWork, which was this venture capital firm known as Benchmark. They were also big backers of companies like Uber. And what this is raising is SoftBank has come across the table now on opposing sides with Benchmark several times. And it's fueling this idea of, you know, if you're a small venture-backed company in the Valley, do you want to be taking money from SoftBank? And that is why many people in both the legal and the financial sphere are watching this case and the, the fallout from it because they want to understand, you know, what does this mean for other companies that have taken money from SoftBank? What does this mean for small companies that have opportunities in front of them? Do they, and SoftBank might be one of them, do they want to take money from SoftBank? That's kind of the, the ultimate question people are trying to answer now. Carnival's luxury cruise ships have been in the news lately, but for all the wrong reasons. Hundreds of its passengers were some of the earliest to suffer of COVID-19 while trapped on board, and the company has been forced to shut down its operations indefinitely. In spite of the troubles, the company has been able to find investors to provide much-needed capital. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund increased its stake in the company this week. This followed a fundraising last week where Carnival was able to secure $6 billion. That was mostly through the issue of bonds, which brought in the funds to help it stay afloat. Our capital markets correspondent, Rob Smith, has been looking into how Carnival was able to find demand for its bonds and what this means for other companies hoping to raise funds. Carnival paid through the nose to access the bond market, so... Carnival still has an investment-grade credit rating, which means several agencies believe that it has a very strong ability to pay back its debt. And yet, despite this, they paid an interest rate of 11.5% a year, and that's just for three-year debt. To put that in context, in October, Carnival paid just 1% to raise debt for 10 years. So it's just paying a ludicrous amount of money compared to what it would normally pay. And more than that, investors in the bonds, these are $4 billion of bonds, they could get back more than their initial investment. If the company wants to repay the bonds for 2023, it basically has to pay bondholders a massive premium. But now, does this mean that investors make their money back if the company goes under? 
Well, yeah, that's a good question. And that's essentially why Carnival was able to pull off this trick. So these $4 billion in bonds are secured on about $20 billion of assets, mostly comprised of Carnival's cruise ships. Now, the value of these boats, it could be questionable if the cruise industry were to collapse entirely. But investors can still mark down the value of that collateral pretty severely and potentially get their money back. And the reason that they can do this is because Carnival was judged to be such a good company before, it's never really had to pledge its cruise ships to raise money before. So, Rob, what does the fundraising say about the amount of money still looking for a good home, even in these dark economic times? Right. And and that's the thing. I mean, in terms of investment grade companies, Carnival is a pretty unique case at the moment. And essentially what you're seeing in the bond market is that strong companies are building up war chests. Now, there's an irony here in that it's the companies that need the financing the least that are raising the money. But we are seeing the riskier debt markets open up as well. In America, the so-called junk bond market has already opened up. We had the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken, for example, issue bonds. While that hasn't happened in Europe yet, it feels like it's only a matter of time until we see riskier debt issuance in Europe. And it's sorted to that point, Rob, do you think this kind of fundraising could work for other struggling tourism-related companies or even troubled airlines, for example? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I think this is what bond investors are thinking about. So what could be the next company to do a carnival, as it were? And you sort of need to be in a sweet spot because you need to be a company that had a strong enough credit rating that it didn't pledge all its assets to raise financing before, but it needs to need money badly now. So when you talk about airlines, there are some investment-grade airlines, particularly in Europe, EasyJet and Ryanair, for example, which have assets to pledge and which need the money. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.